The following program is paid for by Shoreline Wealth Management. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of Town Square Media, its affiliates, or advertisers. Welcome inside the huddle. Welcome to the show. It is Shore Sports Talk on 94.3 The Point, sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management. Good morning to you. I am Vin Ebenu, here to guide you through an hour of sports talk on Sunday morning. It is April 16th, 2023. Already halfway through the month of April and a couple weeks in plus into the Major League Baseball season and all kinds of baseball seasons underway at the college level, the pro level, high school level, and so on and so forth. Baseball is here. It is upon us. we got a couple weeks in. It feels good. Good to watch games and good to go attend games as well. We're going to talk some baseball here this morning, stats and analytics and so much more. We're going to try and dive in as much as possible here this morning with some of the baseball stats and information. We're also going to talk a little bit of football later in the show. My guest on the show in a little bit is Howard Cross, played tight end for the New York Giants from 1989 to 2001, and for the last several years has been the sideline reporter for New York Giants radio broadcast along with Bob Papa and Carl Banks. So Howard Cross will be joining me this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about the Giants season that was last year and what's been going on in the offseason so far, look ahead to the NFL draft coming up in a couple weeks, and maybe some things that uh, he believes that the New York Giants should be focusing in on heading towards the draft as well. We'll get Howard Cross's take on all things New York Giants coming up in a little bit. But first, and by the way, the NFL draft, April 27th through April 29th. So big things happening with the NFL offseason coming up. It's it's getting exciting. You know, it's always exciting when free agency officially begins and who's going to sign here, who's going to sign there, what trades are going to happen, and so on and so forth. But NFL draft is the next big marker. Lots of fun things going on in the world of sports overall before I uh, dive into baseball for the rest of this segment. Hockey and basketball in the NHL and NBA seasons have wrapped up or are wrapping up and we're heading into playoffs. So that's an exciting time. Baseball, you know, almost uh, almost a month in, into the season. We're getting there over the next uh, week or two. And then, again, the NFL draft coming up. So lots of things going on in the wide world of sports. So I've been reading. One of my uh, New Year's goals this year was to catch up on my reading, catch up on books, books that I've gotten recently, books that I got a couple years ago, several years ago. I'm like, you know what? This is going to be the year where I'm going to find the time, budget out the time, either during the week or on the weekends, and I'm just going to, you know, like you would binge watch a show or a movie on Netflix or whatever, you know, I'm doing some binge reading, and ever since I was a kid, my favorite thing to binge read or just read books on is anything to do with sports, whether it's an individual athlete, a team, um, stuff about the game, and so on and so forth, so I've read a few books, caught up this year, uh, Full Count by David Cohen and Jack Curry, which came out a few years ago, and Jack Curry has a new book coming out in less than a month now on the 1998 Yankees, the greatest team ever, um, is what he's writing about, and I uh, had a chance to read that, the pre-order copy, so um, be reaching out, we'll be having Jack on the show in a, um, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I'll let you know when to talk about that. Um, what else? Uh, I read a book on Mariano Rivera that he wrote several years back after he retired with Wayne Coffey. It was really good, really inspirational too. 
kind of really gives you an idea about how much his Christian faith means to him, uh, Mariano Rivera, on and off the field. And um, let's see, I've read some other books as well. We'll get into it. I read The Numbers Game by Alan Schwartz, who wrote the book back in 2004, but it's still very relevant to what we're seeing today. I mean, even reading, I'm like, wow. You know, when you go back over the, the long history of Major League Baseball, going back to the uh, late 1800s, and Alexander Cartwright helped turn cricket into baseball. Uh, it was a really great book, so I'll dive into a couple of the books that I have read and some more of the ones that I have. But this book, The Numbers Game by Alan Shores, it's C-H-W-A-R-Z. It's an outstanding book, especially if you're into baseball history and statistics and analytics and everything. And I had a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, man, I could write a whole book just on my uh, review and my thoughts on this book as well. I thought it was really great. It's history of baseball, but I mean, listen, it's going back to the beginning. Like, okay, how did the game develop? What was it like back in the dead ball era, the home run era, you know, uh, the 1919 Black Sox scandal? It's, you know, some of the, that negative stuff, but also a lot of positives are like, hey, look, this is what's working. This is what's not working. How do we make it a balance between pitchers and hitters? Um, and that still goes on today. People think it's like a new thing, but that's been going on since the beginning of the game of baseball. They've been constantly tinkering with it. Those um, who oversee the game, you know, definitely are a lot of reporters. Every, you know, baseball fans of all kinds have been giving input since the beginning of time. So they're like, okay, well, how do we do this? I mean, believe it or not, I mean, there was once upon a time back in the beginning of the game, you could hit a ball, and if it bounced once and then went to a fielder, it was an out. <laughs> there were interesting rules about foul territory, what what was considered fair and a foul. Um, pitchers basically underhanded it uh, from a 45-foot mound, and then eventually, obviously, it was later made to 60 feet 6 inches, Um it was more of a emphasis on offense at the beginning of baseball. You know, pitcher stats didn't matter, pitchers whatever. Um, and then, of course, when they move, kept moving the mound back, pitchers had to address, and then all of a sudden offense erupted because pitchers realized they had to throw a little bit further. And then um, they're like, all right, well, things are going on with offense. Maybe we should take a look at the pitching and the defense. And then that was tinkered with. And it just has been over time to make it a balanced game between offense and defense, offense and pitching, and everything in between. You know, baseball has been a game of statistics, numbers, analytics from the very beginning. Um, you know, Bill James is one of the more modern uh, thinkers of the game and modern developers, but it's not like he developed that in the early 2000s and then it led to what the Oakland A's and Billy Bean did. Bill James came up with this idea in the late 70s and 80s. Um, he was just a huge baseball fan. You know, he was working nighttime security at a bean plant. Um, you know, you'd do his rounds, whatever, check, make sure everything was okay, and then he would sit at a desk, hide it in a, basically in a corner of a room so that uh, nobody would see him, and he would work on baseball statistics all night. He would work the night shift. All, you know, deep into the night, he'd be researching baseball and putting together stuff. And by keep in mind, too, that especially in the early part of um, – or the 20th century, late part of the 19th, and then so on, I mean, a lot of the – and even beyond that, some guys just didn't use calculators. They just did baseball stats and analytics in their head, and they got into it. I mean, we're talking 
decades and of just baseball fans. I mean, the Elias brothers, which you know ever is now big famous as the Elias Sports Bureau, was developed around the 1920s by a couple brothers who were just big baseball fans. They weren't. It's not like oh hey you know somebody in the commissioner's office or Major League Baseball came up with this. I mean, a lot of the stats that have been kept over time have been just big time baseball fans, whether from the science field or mathematics or military or just whatever, regular baseball fans who grew up wanting more information, wanting more statistics to look at, to digest, to figure out what's going on. People think, oh, analytics, analytics. Um, All it is is statistical information provided to players, coaches, and managers. It's just that technology and the digital age is so advanced that there's more stats at your fingertips than there ever was before. All analytics is, is okay, um, Giancarlo Stanton is, I'm just making up a number here, 5 for 15 against Shane Bieber of the uh, Cleveland Guardians. And of those five hits, three are singles, one is a home run, one is a double. And he's got eight strikeouts. Gives you some pause. And then maybe you got a guy who's one for 20 against a certain pitcher. Clearly not doing well. I mean, over the, over time, I mean, there have been managers, coaches that have been presented this information, not just recently, but over the decades, where they're like, maybe I shouldn't put this guy in the lineup today. And people are like, oh, he's one of your best players. You got to put him in there. Clearly, he doesn't do well against this particular pitcher, and I'm not saying it should happen on a daily basis. But sometimes you look at those matchups, and you're like, yeah, clearly owns him. I mean, think one of the cases I thought of recently was Enrique Wilson uh, played utility for the Yankees in the early 2000s and everything. But one of the reasons Joe Torre would put him in the lineup more often than not against Pedro Martinez was that he hit him and got on base against him. It's not just, oh, hey, Enrique Wilson hit a lot of home runs. That's not the reason you always put a guy in the lineup because he could hit home runs. Enrique Wilson was a high contact hitter. He wasn't a home run hitter. But he just saw the ball well against Pedro. And even if it were a lot of singles and some doubles and bun hits and so forth or walks, got on base, he just had a good eye. Um, And that concept has been around for decades and decades and decades. You're like, you know what? The numbers show that... This guy hits um, this pitcher particularly well. And these numbers show that this guy is really struggling and he can't figure out this pitcher. Maybe because he throws uh, uh, just a nasty fastball. Maybe it's, you know, a good assortment of breaking balls that's just really hard for this particular hitter or hitters to hit. Um, I think Earl Weaver, the famous Baltimore Orioles manager, 70s, 80s, and everything, he would value statistics. He said, you know, give him, give, basically give them to me and I'll decide, you know, how to use them and, you know, what to use and whatnot, but I would rather have them than not have them. Um, you know, maybe it's the way he puts together a lineup. You're like, you know what? I'm going to sit these two guys today, even though they're two of my best players and they're hitting well. They just don't do well against this pitcher and you're trying to win a game. You want guys, this whole thing of um, like, oh, on base, on base. It's been there since the very beginning, people. On-base percentage is important, and you see the slash lines that often get put up on screens during baseball games and everything where it's like, 
Why are there three different batting averages? It's batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage. It shows you what they're doing and how well they're doing it. Um, and yeah, I wish more stat boxes on, on games would show on-base percentage um, as well. And there's OPS and WAR and so many other great statistics that kind of break everything down. Um, it's not like oh, analytics. It's the robots controlling it. It's people upstairs. Listen, it's it's a collection of statistical information. I mean, you want to know what a pitcher can do or has done in certain situations, and then the hot and cold boxes that you see on like computers and stuff. That's that concept was developed a, a long time ago, where it's like okay, um, this hitter uh, going up at the plate maybe against a certain pitcher, maybe just overall, his general statistics, He uh, his low and away is red hot. But up and in, low and in, it's blue. It's ice cold, He meaning he doesn't hit pitches well in that particular part of the plate, or maybe it's a certain type of pitch. Maybe he only hits fastballs well but doesn't hit a curveball well. Um, and that would change the whole look of what that batter's box would look like. So, tons and decades worth of proof that statistics, numbers, analytics in baseball has been here since the 1800s. It has just been developed, it's been better tracked and put together, and it's a wealth of information. There are so many different statistics to look at and everything else. Um, it's, you know, okay, what is somebody doing during an on-base streak or during a hit streak? You know, they call it the, the vitamin hitting streak sometimes, meaning you, like, you get one hit a day. Um, what was it like during Do- Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak? What was he during, doing during that streak? What were his day-to-day averages? What was he, how was he hitting fastballs? How was he hitting breaking balls? How was he hitting with men on base? That, those type of things get analyzed by each and every player each and every day. You know, what are you doing again with men on base? What are you doing with bases empty? What are you doing with two outs? Should you be bunting with nobody out? Should you be bunting with one man on and two men out? Uh, should you be bunting with one out? All these things get broken down. All these particular situations, all these stats, information, how players have done, how they do against a certain type of pitch, how they do in certain type of weather, how they do in certain ballparks. It, everything and anything has been broken down. Baseball has been a game of statistics and analytics and information since the very beginning. It is not a new thing. People like to broad brush and blame analytics for uh, things in the game today. It's a gathering of information. What happens is, is that how a manager decides to use that information, putting together his lineup or his pitching rotation and, or, or a front office making decisions, um, that either gets glorified or criticized by a lot of f- baseball fans. Uh, but it's not the numbers or statistics or information. Um, it's, it's just, it, it, is, it is what it is. It's a gathering of stats and information, and it's just so much to go through, and it's fascinating uh, to me and, and to so many other baseball fans. That's what I want to hear. Uh, and, or on a radio broadcast and see on a TV broadcast, I want constant stats and information, everything you can give me. I want to know what the managers are thinking. I want to know what the players are thinking, the GMs, the front office. How do you put together the team? How do you put together the lineup, the pitching rotation, the bullpen? How do you make trades? What do you look for in a player? How many 
guys are high on base percentage guys that you're putting on your team? How many power guys do you have? Are you balancing it out between contact and power? I want to know this information into what went into each and every decision. And then like, oh, okay. Just to get an understanding, not to make a judgment. Um, just fascinated by statistics and baseball information on a daily basis and throughout the year. And then when you go and look back, okay, here's the last time my team won a World Series. Here's the last time, uh, whatever, a Yankee, a Met, a Philly, you won a Cy Young or an MVP or a batting crown or the triple crown. You know, it's all there. Baseball statistics are with us, people. They are here forever and ever and ever, which makes me think of the recent anniversary that was, uh, I think, well, about a little over a week ago. The Sandlot uh, came out in 1993. So it was one of my favorite baseball movies. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, go check it out. If you haven't watched it in a while, go watch The Sandlot today or tomorrow, whatever. Uh, but with the numbers game, it, it, it touches on all sorts of uh, baseball stats and information, and it and, you know, it highlights all the people who have uh, been involved with the game of baseball and gathering stats and information, coming up with different ideas about how to make the game uh, better or interesting, you know, whatever. And again, since Alexander Curry developed the game we know as baseball in the mid-1800s, we collectively as baseball fans have been obsessed with baseball statistics. That's one of the things I also took from the numbers game by Alan Shores. Um Several front offices, managers, sports writers, media, scientists, math, mathematicians, those working in the military and government, all become big baseball fans, wanting to know stats and keep track of them. The game has changed to make it better for the players, the managers, front offices, the fans, anybody and everybody watching the game of baseball. Some may not even realize they're obsessed with stats and information by just look, look at the scoreboard the next time you go to a ball game. Look at what's on TV the next time you watch a baseball game. Those batting averages, home runs, RBIs, on-base percentage, it's all baseball stats and information. It's all part of analytics. It all is one linear type of information. That is baseball analytics. That is baseball statistics. The game continues to grow, continues to change, and there is a lot of feedback. I like to see athleticism. I want to know, and that's the thing that, um, you know, one of the players that sticks out, Dustin Pedroia, former Red Sox second baseman, he was graded. Um, in part, and this is how every player gets graded, especially. But it, the the stats that he had in going to his left to feel the ground ball, it was just amazing. That's what gets tracked. That is baseball stats and analytics. If a ground ball is hit to a player's left or his right, how often can he make that play? How often does he make that throw? If a ball is hit to the outfield, there are, there are defensive grades for runs saved. Early in his career, Giancarlo Stanton, for when he was playing for the Marlins, was, a, I believe, a plus 20 or 23 defender. That's amazing. That's one of the best in, in the game. And there were certainly a lot of players in the negatives. During 2013 for the Yankees, in a year where Jeter was uh, still recovering from the fracture, the Yankees missed a lot of players for a lot of different injuries and reasons, but there was kind of like a rotating door of who was playing shortstop for the Yankees that year. They had a, a minus 23 a statistic for run differential that is terrible. It basically means that the guys that they were putting at shortstop weren't making the plays either fielding wise with the glove or the throws. Uh, they didn't have the range that they should have to be able to make those plays. That is baseball analytics and statistics. That's what it is. It's like 
oh, wow, we have a problem here. We need to fix it and find a shortstop who could help us make better defensive plays. And, of course, Jeter came back um, and certainly fully healthy in in 14. But that is just a couple examples of what baseball analytics and statistics is. That's all it is. It doesn't harm anybody. It's just factual information. Um, You know, it's getting that piece of information like, oh, hey, now I know what to do. Now I'm prepared. Um, it's essentially doing all your homework, doing all your studying, and then game day is test day. Like, how much do you know? How much have you absorbed and are taken with you to the batter's box or to the pitching mound or to coaches' meetings, whatever? Like, okay, here's everything we know about every player, every situation. You think about it constantly. You look ahead, all right, what do I do if I'm in this particular situation or if this happens or that happens? All based on baseball stats and analytics you know, I want to know what how players do in every situation. Runners on, runners on with two outs, runners on with nobody out against the curveball, in day games, in night games, against pitches up in the zone, against pitches low in the zone. How pitchers are doing or have done on short rest or pitching on the road uh, or pitching in a, you know, the so-called hitter's ballpark or a pitcher's ballpark. What their information is after 100 pitches, hitters against left-handed pitchers, etc. I mean, one of the examples in the book I read was also Pedro Martinez in Game 7 of the 2003 ALCS. It was the Red Sox had information about how Pedro did between 75 and 100, 100 plus pitches, 100 after 105. When the Yankees started rallying in that game against him, he was at like 110, 115 pitches. His arm was tired. You know, players are, I I love the athleticism and the competitiveness and the willingness to stay out there. But people are like, oh, 100 pitches. Some pitchers can go well beyond 100 pitches. Maybe they can go to 120, 130, but that is an outlier. That is not the average. You know, their information that batting average against ERA goes up. Your arm gets tired. I mean, think about it. That's, That's not just... You know, waving your arms up and down a hundred times, it's the constant torque of all the muscles in the shoulder and the arms and around the elbow. It's doing that 100 times through a whole body of motion, going back and forth. Eventually, you're going to get tired. I mean, imagine doing 100 push-ups or 100 sit-ups. Do you think you're going to feel as good as you did at uh, the first 10 or 20 or 30? You're going to start to feel sore. Um you know, you're not going to be able to have that same effectiveness in a lot of cases. Sure, you could still throw 95 to 100, um, but most get worn down. And eventually, even the best of the best, at a certain point, you're just not as effective. It's not just because the other team, oh, so the averages go up. It's just you just don't have the same effectiveness that you did in the third or fourth inning. That, okay, it's all of a sudden it's the sixth or the seventh or whatever, or the eighth. That's stats and analytics. It's studying. It's like, how do you protect the player, but also how how do you do what you can to win the game? I'm just one of the baseball information sponges here. I love it. Um, Certainly before and certainly after Bill James became famous for his modern approach to baseball analytics, lineup construction was designed by some around on-base percenters to what we know. And and one of those other things, too, in uh, the so-called opener, was a concept that was developed almost 50 years ago. They're like, it was discussed, it wasn't widely uh, brought in like it has been in the last 20 years. They're like, you know what? Let's put um, 
a pitcher in who can get through an inning or two, and then we put in our starter to get a bulk of five or six innings and get through the heart of the game and the heart of the lineup. Sometimes it was Alan Roth was a man who worked with Branch Rickey in the 1940s, early 50s, and then um, he went to another job, but with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I think after the 1948 season, he's like, you know, let's hit Jackie Robinson cleanup fourth. I'm like, oh, why would he's he's not the typical home run hitter? You know, he's a, a great hitter. But, you know, his numbers went up in 1949. I forget what the RBI numbers were off the top of my head, but Jackie Robinson had an amazing 1949 season basically hitting cleanup. It was like that's, the lineup construction has been something that's been discussed for decades, 50, 60, 70 years. That's it's, it's what it is. It's just using information, using what you got um, to make wise decisions. It's like, okay, here's who I hit first. You know, there was one concept, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago, like, oh, hey, you hit your best hitters uh, first. You just go one through nine. People are like, nah, I don't know if I would do that. Um, and then it became a more modern a widely accepted approach. Okay, you hit your um, your speedster first. You hit your best contact hitter second, and then you get your best hitters overall power or not three, four, five, and then you figure it out from there. That's baseball stats and in analytics. That's that's what it is. Um, you know, a couple other amazing statistics just before I wrap up this segment here. Uh, Nolan Arenado, Alex Gordon, Alex Gordon, um, the uh, longtime one time. Uh, Outfielder, left fielder for the Kansas City Royals. 39 base runner kills over a three-year stretch between 2011 and 13. What's a base runner kill? Basically, it's, um, you know, hit to the outfield, whether it's, you know, catch or just um, hit out there and outfielder picks it up. A base runner kill is when you throw it to a base in the infield or throw it to a plate and you get the runner out. That's what a base runner kill is. And think about it, it doesn't happen every game or all the time. So Alex Gordon had 39 such of those plays between 2011 and 13. Nolan Arenado hit 20 home runs in Double A in 2011, two years before his major league uh, first big league season with the Colorado Rockies in 2013. He had 10 home runs that year. Uh, just last weekend, he hit his 300th career MLB home run. He's now in uh, an, another year with the St. Louis Cardinals after spending his first several years with the Rockies. But he developed his power, and he's certainly widely regarded as one of the best third basemen in baseball. So we'll talk some more baseball stats and analytics over time and everything, whether it's from Bill James' handbook or um, anything else. But just something to think about here. Baseball analytics and statistics is nothing scary. It's just some, It should be something to be awarded and you know applauded. Like, hey, this is amazing stuff. Now I know more about my team and my players. We're going to take a quick break here on Shore Sports Talk. I'm going to come back. We're going to eh, talk a little baseball, talk a little football as well. Howard Cross from the, from the New York Giants radio broadcast and former New York Giants tight end is joining me in a little bit. More Shore Sports Talk on 94.3 The Point, sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management, coming up after this. 
Whether you are in the early stages of investing, getting ready to retire, or planning your estate, you need a financial planner who will guide you on a clear path with honesty and transparency. Shoreline Wealth Management provides clarity through the complexity. Shoreline's system is straightforward. They will understand your financial circumstances, identify goals, analyze current plans, and customize a path to position you to reach your goals. Shoreline Wealth Management is your financial anchor. Visit ShorelineWealth.com for more information today. ShorelineWealth.com. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA. SIPC.